Welcome to this edition of Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. I'm Dave Ball. Our host, Chuck Bentley, will be back with us tomorrow. But today, we're going to continue a message we started last time from pastor and teacher Chip Ingram on finding the job of your dreams. And it all starts with understanding God's purpose for work and the role he's called you to play in this world. Well, let's get started. Here's Pastor Chip Ingram. Why are the majority of people dissatisfied with their jobs? 75% of American workers are in the wrong job. Three out of four people go to a job they're not fitted for, called for, excited about, or satisfied in. It is either, I need to do this to get a paycheck, or you know what, I'm afraid to try anything else, but I go to work, I put in my time, and it's called TGIF, right? And the whole goal of life, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I just want to get it over with so I can get to the weekend because work isn't even life. It's a necessary evil. How can the place where we spend the majority of our waking hours be transformed from drudgery to delight? Now, I I think the statistics is, is low, but the research I've read says the average American, I'm going to guess most of the people in this room aren't average, I would say you could add 25% to this, maybe 50. The average American will work 100,000 hours in your lifetime. 60 to 80% of your waking hours, guess what you do? You work. Think of that. 60 to 80% of your waking hours, you work. And 75% of Americans are looking at it as I just want to get this over with to get to the weekend. Sounds like an awful waste, doesn't it? If that's really true, and that's how it's supposed to be, you could almost come up with a thesis that God is kind of cruel to call us into doing things 60 to 80% of our waking hours that are just a necessary evil or a pain in the rear to get over with so that we can have a little bit of pleasure and a little bit of fun and do something meaningful maybe even like ministry. So what's the answer? My suggestion is the answer, we must totally rethink our view and attitudes of work. You're listening to a special edition of Money Life. Our guest teacher today is Chip Ingram. Chip is the teacher on the daily radio broadcast, Living on the Edge, and we'll have more from Chip right after this. The price of higher education has skyrocketed. According to a recent Gallup survey, families spend almost $15,000 per student per year of college, and many students often spend years just trying to decide which degree they need to pursue. Wouldn't it be better to help your child figure out what they need to study before they arrive on campus? You can, with the Career Direct Complete Guidance System from Crown Financial Ministries. Unlike other assessments that only examine one or two areas of career selection, CareerDirect analyzes personality, interests, skills, and values. Your child can use it to explore career options and find the one God has uniquely gifted them for. Over 150,000 people of all ages have benefited from CareerDirect. Check it out at CareerDirectOnline.org and get a free personality ID profile. That's CareerDirectOnline.org.
Welcome back to this edition of Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. Our host, Chuck Bentley, is off today. And our special guest teacher is Chip Ingram. Chip is the teacher on the daily radio broadcast, Living on the Edge. And today we're listening to a message Chip delivered a few months ago on finding the job of your dreams. Here's Chip with more. We're going to do a study from God's perspective of how he views work. And that little funny quote about nose to the grindstone, we work like dogs, that is so revealing. Our vocabulary always reveals in a culture how we view things. Our vocabulary is work is bad, work is negative, work is a necessary evil. In fact, some people would even believe that you know, work is cursed by God and that we have to go through life figuring out how to get out of work. In fact, you know, what, what do, if, if any of you have owned businesses, there's a mentality of people that you employ, and these are the ones you don't want to employ. They want to get paid as much as possible to do as little as possible and leave as early as possible, right? You don't want to hire those kind of people. But that's how the world views work. I want to say, what, if we pull back the lens, what does God say about work? And I want to challenge you to kind of, you know, in your mind, one of those whiteboards, erase what you think about work right now and say, God, I would like you to write on the whiteboard of my mind and then my soul and then into my heart how you see work. Because if you see work the way God sees work, it'll change everything. It'll change 60 to 80% of the waking hours that you have. And you'll learn that God created work not as a punishment, but to allow you to be a co-creator and express your unique calling and blessing. Now, we're going to learn there is, it's in a fallen world and it's difficult. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but I'm going to say it can be greatly meaningful. So with that, let's just do a little study together. First is God is a worker, Genesis 2, 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he has done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because he rested from all his work, which he had created and he had made. And we don't have time to get into it, but there's about four Hebrew words that are translated when when work is done. Uh, Two of these Hebrew words uh, talk about times where work has to do with anguish and toil and suffering, and it's after the fall or when it's self-imposed. When the Egyptians were making the Israelites work, there's a a Hebrew word for that in their their tiresome toil. It's it's, it's their suffering. Someone's making you do something you don't want to do. The other two Hebrew words talk about building, creating, activity, delighting, very, very positive. The God of the universe, are you ready for this? He works. So it can't be evil, right? He creates. He builds. He makes. He constructs. He sustains. God is a worker. Have you ever thought of God as a worker? Have you ever thought that God has a job? God has a career. And his career is to speak into existence all that there is. And he's working right now. The scripture says he upholds all things, what? By the word of his power. Jesus has a job. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying for you, 24-7. How's it work? I have no idea. But he's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, he has a job. What's his job? His job is to manifest the presence and the power of Christ in the life inside of believers, to give you grace, to impart all that you need, to create actually the want to and the ability to allow Christ to live his life through you. 
And the Holy Spirit has a job description for those who are not yet in Christ. What's he do? He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit of God has a job. He's working. So work must not be bad. Second observation in our theology of work is God created people to be his co-workers. Look at Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. God made the world. And when he made the world, remember what he said? It is good. And then God made mankind, Adam and Eve. And then he said, it is very good. And then God invites us to be co-workers. We're made in his image to do that which is good, that which is creative, that which brings life. When you think of work, you think, wow, what a marvelous gift from God. Or do you look at work, oh man, get this done. Get this over with. Then we realize that it is reasonable to believe indeed that work was given before the fall to meet the human need for purpose, creative expression, and that it is a need that goes far deeper than mere self-preservation. The desire to work then was ignited by a divine spark that drew both Adam and Eve into creative activities. Nothing else they could do would reflect the image of the Creator more than this for which they are called to do each and every day, and that is to work. And so what I want you to just get is God is a worker. We are created to co-create and work with Him. And then notice work after the fall. Genesis 3, 17 through 19 in your notes. After Adam and Eve have sinned, sin enters the world. And the sin impacted human mankind, but it also impacted creation. Jot down in the side of your notes Romans chapter 8. Because a little later, what we're going to learn is the whole creation is going to be groaning for a day when it comes out from under the subjection of what the curse has done. Work is going to be different. It's going to be frustrating. The work will not be cursed. Be careful with that. The ground is cursed. The work is still to be a co-creator with God. The work is to have meaning and purpose and creativity. But now, instead of it being all delight and being downhill, it will always be uphill. But you're still made in the image of God. Now it's going to be in an environment of hostility and war. Look at what the text says. Then to Adam God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Why? For your sake. In your toil or work you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What's happened is work didn't get cursed. The ground got cursed. And it produces what? Frustration. Now, by the way, this was a gift of grace. Did you notice that little phrase? It was cursed for your sake. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. Our host, Chuck Bentley, is off today. Our guest teacher is Chip Ingram, senior pastor at Venture Christian Church in Los Gatos, California. He also is the teacher on the daily radio program, Living on the Edge. If you'd like to hear more Money Life programs, you can hear them by going to crown.org. Well, after this short break, we'll be back with more from Chip Ingram right after this. Are you over 50 and thinking about retirement? 
if you want to actually experience retirement one day, you have to plan for it. And we have a book that'll tell you how. It's Your Money After the Big 5-0, written by Crown Financial Ministries co-founder Larry Burkett and financial planner Ron Blue. Your Money After the Big 5-0 will equip you with biblical wisdom and practical advice for succeeding in the second half of life, having a fully funded retirement, and being free to serve the Lord and you'll learn about the importance of finishing strong and leaving a legacy of stewardship to your children and grandchildren. If you're ready to put together a financial plan for a retirement that'll honor God and give you wealth at last, get a copy of Your Money After the Big 5-0 right now at crown.org. Your Money After the Big 5-0 by Larry Burkett and Ron Blue is available online at crown.org. That's crown.org. Welcome back to this edition of Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. Our special guest teacher today is Chip Ingram, and we're listening to a message Chip delivered a few months ago on finding the job of your dreams. Here's Chip with more. Mankind lived in a perfect environment with a God that loved them perfectly. Now they sin, and there's a guard put around, and the guard put around is so that this state can't stay there forever. From the foundations of the earth, God giving us freedom and free will to make choices to, to rebel against him. Knowing that would happen, but knowing the price tag of willful, voluntary love is to give people the opportunity to say yes or no to the one who wants to love them. And then after the fall, this curse, every single day when we get up and work is hard and relationships are hard, I, I, don't, I don't mow my yard and then it starts looking better every day. You know what that tells you? It tells you something's wrong. It reminds you every single day, relationships are hard. Work is hard. It's frustrating. It's uphill. It's doable. But the curse was given to remind mankind that this is not how it was ever intended to be. And when, when do most of us turn to God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and seek him and say, oh, Lord, I need you? Is it when everything is going great, the family relationships are wonderful, the money is pouring in, peace like a river, everything's wonderful. You know, you just, you know, everything's so good that you just say, I think I just, you know, I'll usually only pray for an hour or two. I think I'll pray for 10 or 12. You run to God and I run to God when pain hits and you're frustrated and you don't have answers and when relationships break apart and when biopsy reports come back positive and when jobs are lost and when retirement that you work for for years and years and years drops out of sight, it's in our pain and frustration and disappointment that we recognize I can't make it. I'm not God. I have needs. Please help me. The ground is cursed to provide an ongoing frustration and difficulty of doing life in your own power. What, what was the temptation? If you eat of this, you will be like God. The cursing of the ground is to remind you and to remind me is you ain't like God at all. You are not self-sufficient. You are not in control. You are not the center of the universe. And the pain and the difficulty of a fallen world drives us back to say, God, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. And so one of the consequences of the fall with regard to work is the ground is frustrated. It's, it's cursed. And our lives are frustrated. 
Our response to this, in my experience, is two extremes. Imagine, if you will, sort of a, this idea of work, and I want you to imagine, you know, way over here is an extreme, and then all the way over here, and on the top of the line it says W-O-R-K. And people's response after the fall to work is one extreme on the far left is that work is a necessary evil. We've touched on that. In other words, work, Genesis 3, the fall, unconsciously, work is bad, work is cursed, it's a necessary evil, find something, make enough money, you know, get, get those things taken care of so you can really live. Just get it out of the way. You need so much money to pay the mortgage, you need so much money for food, you need so much money to buy or rent a house, you need so much money for a car. Life isn't about that. Just get that part of it over with. The other extreme in response to the fall is over here is that I will find my significance and I will rule my world and I will win and work is what will make me significant. And I'll show you. I'll work harder. I'll work longer. I will build bigger. I will build better. My life is my work. My identity is my work. And far more for men than women. What's one of the top two questions? You don't know someone. We don't know exactly what to talk about. Hi, how are you doing? What do you do for a living, right? Where do we go immediately? Our work becomes our identity. And then we create an entire pecking order, right? So, you know, if you have a job where your hands don't get dirty, you're kind of way up here. And if you have a job that creates a lot of zeros around your name at the end of it, then you're way up here. Or if you have a job, even if it's not that much money, if there's a lot of letters after your name, you know, PhD or TH something or ED something, but if you have a job where your hands get dirty or you do certain things that we decide, then you're not as significant. So our work becomes the value and estimation of our significance. And every little boy and every little girl grows up in a world where, by and large, that's true. And I want to suggest that both of those extremes are unbiblical. And my point is, all that goes back to a perverted, unbiblical view of work after the fall. God is a worker. It is good. God called us to co-create, to build, to make, to shape, to subdue. And so it is a good thing. But the fall has introduced that it is going to be hard, it is going to be difficult, and that produces frustration for us and a tendency to think it's a necessary evil or it's the answer. Fourth, work under the lordship of Christ. Uh, Colossians 3, 17. Apostle Paul says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, that covers about everything. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through God the Father. So he, he says here, wait a second. And whatever you do, in word or deed, working, talking, speaking, do it unto, you take it, it's sanctified, and you do it as an act of worship and service unto God. You know, a young mom driving kids to school, cleaning the house, and creating an environment that is nurturing and loving is as important to God, done unto the Lord, and will receive the same kind of reward as uh, any pastor, any missionary, preaching God's word in the most difficult places of the world. Because when you do what you're called to do, and when you do your work unto the Lord, it is sanctified. We'll be back with some final thoughts from our special guest teacher, Chip Ingram, right after this. You're listening to Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries.
Our economy has been struggling. Companies have cut expenses. Job security has taken on new meaning. Now more than ever, you need to know God's purpose for your life and your work. You can find direction using the CareerDirect Complete Guidance System from Crown Financial Ministries. CareerDirect is a comprehensive assessment tool that you and your employer can use to make sure that you and your job are the right fit. And if you're between jobs, you can use the CareerDirect Complete Guidance System as an interview tool. When you share your CareerDirect results with a potential employer, they'll be able to see that you have the talent and skills they're looking for. It'll set you apart from other candidates. The CareerDirect Complete Guidance System can be completed in about an hour online. Just go to CareerDirectOnline.org and to get started, try the free personality ID profile. That's CareerDirectOnline.org. Welcome back to this final segment of Money Life. Our special guest teacher today is Chip Ingram, and his topic is a biblical perspective of work. Let's join Chip for some final thoughts from today's talk. Work has lasting and eternal significance as we work in the millennium, Isaiah 65, and receive eternal rewards for how we work. And this is just one of those that I just want to say, this is kind of one of those wild passages, and I just wanted to go like, Isaiah 65, this is, you know, that thousand-year millennium. Did you ever think, I think sometimes we think that, you know, the afterlife, uh, of course, that is, is before, you know, the Lord returns and sets up a new heaven and new earth. But I think we get this idea that like eternity or heaven is going to be like sipping iced tea and floating on clouds, you know, and maybe being able to walk through walls. <laughs> You're going to work. You're going to work. It's going to be a New heaven and a new earth, and you're going to work, and you're going to do stuff, and, but what's, the curse is gone, and you're going to be creative, and you're going to build, and you're going to subdue, and, and it's going to be exciting. In fact, in that thousand-year reign, just read this afternoon, Isaiah 65, 21 to 25, you shall build, you'll plant, you won't labor in vain. That, that sounds like work, doesn't it? Well, if it's so bad, if it's so evil, and it's going to be a thousand-year perfect environment, why would God have work? Because the work happens before the fall. Work changes through the fall, and then after things are the way they need to be, work continues because God is a worker. He's called us to co-work with him. The fall has changed work, but work now, when everything is offered unto the Lord as an act of worship and service, is your primary ministry. And you, my, here's my plea. Buy back the 100,000 hours, or if it's a little bit late for 100,000, buy back the 60 to 80% of your waking hours and refuse to make it, I'm just going to get this done, even in the mundane things, and refuse to make it, I'm a somebody because of what I accomplish, and make work a stewardship and discover what you're called to do and offer it to God with excellence and say, Lord, this is my worship of you. I was made to do this for your honor and glory. And don't forget this one, and my joy. My joy. This, this, is, this is not like a sentence to jail. This was like a key to fulfillment. You've been listening to Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. Our guest teacher today has been Chip Ingram. Chip is the teacher on the daily radio broadcast, Living on the Edge. And you can find out more about Living on the Edge by going to their website, 
livingontheedge.org. Now, you can find out more about Crown Financial Ministries by going to our website, which is crown.org. You'll find information there for your family, a small group, for your church, and for your own personal study, as well as our new media page. And right there, you'll find information on our new blog, our new podcast, and other media features that are coming up soon. And that all is available at crown.org slash media. Well, for Chuck and the entire staff here at Crown Financial Ministries, this is Dave Ball saying thanks for joining us for this edition of Money Life.